0: I said, empty your mind, be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit.
1: It's about how hard you can get hit and and keep keep moving forward. forward. How much you can take
0: and and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast.
1: Welcome back to Align Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. In today's tremendous episode, got to have my friend, Miss Kelly Tennant, on the show. Um, Kelly is rad. She is a writer. She wrote the book. Uh, the Transition, Every Athlete's Guide to Life After Sports. She was a TV host. She left that reality to uh, help empower people in general, and I think especially women, but people in general, um, with their health and their own well-being. She overcame autoimmune disease, and she had all sorts of interesting diagnoses, and she was in bed. She's bedridden for five months, and her whole life kind of flipped upside down, and then recovering from that and coming back into the world to... Uh, be the empowered human being that she is now it's it's pretty cool so this is a very honest vulnerable conversation i think you could say and had a good time having it you can check her out at ceremony wellness podcast is a place you can go if you have more interest in and from her and she even had me on over there as well if you i'm sure you guys have already heard enough of me but anyways i'm over there ceremony wellness podcast thank you all so much for tuning in to the website alignpodcast.com a-l-i-g-n podcast.com on there as y'all probably know you can start the five day movement challenge super simple five like two minute videos that uh, break down fundamental things that i think everybody ought to have in their physical situation um, thanks to Ned for supporting this program, this podcast. Uh, Ned is one of the highest quality CBD oil companies that you will come across. They are a, um, they all come from a single source farm in Colorado. They're cold extracted. They just like, they're made with positive intentions if you're into that kind of thing um they're awesome you can get 15 percent off uh by using the align code so you go to helloned.com slash align for 15 percent off and you start messing with cbd it's legal i don't know where it's legal exactly it's legal a lot of places is it legal all, all of the united states Anyways, check it out, 15% off, and um, it's helpful for sleep, helpful for general down regulation, relaxation, all that stuff. Um, Take a crack at it, hope you dig it. If you do, leave some comments and let us know. Um, All right, here we go. Back to the shizzy with Kelly Tennant. Thanks so much for tuning in, thanks for telling your friends, thanks for doing
0: you. Here we go, bow! Align Podcast. Are we recording? We are. We're recording!
1: You did Ayahuasca last month.
0: Yes I did. For this first, is the first time the first I'm talking time about I've it publicly by the okay. way. So well, here we go. Holla.
1: Off to the races. Yep. What was the, what sorry, right, why did you do such a thing?
0: I've been on this spiritual path now, I would say, for the last year eighteen months of trying to get to the root of a lot of my chronic illness and disease and I realize the mind body connection and the emotional trauma and things that I've been through in my life and just, you know, general life experiences. And, um, I felt like I was ready to go to that next level. And I had had friends that had, um, been with the medicine and had amazing results after. And I just thought I'm ready to go there. I'm ready to like really face my demons. And I'm so glad I did it.
1: Yeah. So what was the experience?
0: Um, so I did in Santa Cruz. Oh, you Um, did it locally here. Yeah. With Dennis and Kristen. They are amazing. And there was like 16 of us and six healers and it was was three days of the medicine and it was so beautiful. I couldn't have asked for a better group of people to be with and um, it was dark for sure. Like I went to some dark places, but, you know, when you come out of that and you start making correlations of things that have happened in your life that you never understood... Or things that you do or how you're affected by relationships. It's such a breath, like a release and relief because things that you could never understand for however many years are all of a sudden coming together. And I just feel so much clarity around it. Mm. Yeah.
1: Before that, had you experienced with psychedelics?
0: No. No. I didn't think so. I've only ever had weed. I've never done <laughs> mushrooms. I've never done anything. You
1: tell somebody who has no less psychedelics when they say, I've only had weed. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> <I'm> only... <laughs> <laughs> what is you... the proper way to hey, say bro, that? Bro, have you ever had uh, weed? <laughs>
0: <laughs> What's the proper way to say that? Help me. Smoking, smoking, I don't know, smoking pot. I don't smoke really, though. Uh, no. I have edibles. Uh, I'm not really a <laughs> smoker. <laughs> I, I eat edibles. I take edibles. <laughs> I ingest them. So
1: you, would, you would vibe. <laughs> oh, my God. T- See.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: I feel good. like such a fool so it's, No, it's not. It's wonderful. Yeah, but now <laughs> I
0: I want to try mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. That was like the next thing I want to do. So, all
1: right. So, going from like virgin psychedelic mental space mm-hmm. to 3-day ayahuasca trip, like what was what was you were probably really scared.
0: You know, I was definitely scared during the experience. or a few times I thought I was going to die and I I actually called over um I called Kristen over and I said, uh I, I think I'm going to die right now. I know I'm not like, mm. I, I know I'm safe, but I remember looking at her and just being like, I need you to tell me I'm okay. And she sat behind me and she was so magical. She was like this fairy godmother goddess woman and just held me. And I, and she helped me breathe through it. And it was such a powerful experience of me. The, the thing that happened for me then I looked at one of the, the healers and he was the devil. I saw the devil's face in him. And I I realized we were all in hell. And so what happened for me in that moment was that I realized that I had been allowing myself to live in hell in so many aspects of my life. And that the way for me to get myself out of hell at any point, anytime I want is to breathe and to own my voice. And so that whole experience was just, it healed so much of me because that's been my hangup. So like I feel like I've been living in hell physically, emotionally, in relationships, in my career. And when you want to get out of hell, you just have to come back to yourself and breathe and own your voice and step into that.
1: What does own your voice mean?
0: Um, I never felt like I was being seen or heard or listened to. And it, it goes back to the conversation we were having earlier about my value being in how I looked and not what I had to offer as a person. And so, so often I would sort of mute myself and be quiet or, you know, dull my shine so that I didn't make people uncomfortable when I had things to share or wanted to say. And so now that I have created this whole brand and podcast, I have the, the platform for my own voice to share it, to speak my truth, to share who I authentically am. And before I felt like I was living this almost fake double life where I wasn't being who I was with other people or in public.
1: Uh. What do you attribute the sensation of "I'm gonna die" to? What do you mean? So like, I'm gonna die. Do you feel like so? Uh, you know, th- you call like ego death is something that's that's murmured a lot in mm. that. You know, like when you like the when you're going through some type of psychedelic experience like that. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, what dies is like that identity that oh. you're attached to, mm. and I think it's in because it usually when we have situations like that, and I think we have this with or without psychedelics, like Mm. there's all sorts of situations that can bring something like that up. Um, But that sensation of like, I'm going to die. I think it's interesting because I I, I feel like that is like, we base our whole selves oftentimes around this identity, Mm. (laughs) you know, in in the grand scheme of things, that identity is just like a little drop in the pan. Yeah. Do you think that perhaps there was any, like, I'm going to die? Do you think perhaps there, th- it could have been any, any type of like, oh, it's like this identity aspect of, of me is going to get lost? Or did you literally think like your heart was going to explode? I thought my heart was
0: going to explode twice. Really? Yeah. There's two different times. Another time, another healer came over and like helped me through and was like, you're not going to die. Just breathe. Like put his hand on my chest. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm all right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The other thing that happened for me around that too, though, is that I surrendered to the idea of dying. Oh, good. So after I thought I was going to die and then I was a little more level headed still in the medicine, I, I talked to myself and I said, I think we're okay with dying. Like, it's okay. It's nothing to be scared of if this is how you're going to go out, like amazing. And so that shifted. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Like, whatever, (laughs) it's going to happen. Um, because I don't want that fear to drive me. I'm someone that has come from fear for so long. And so I want to come from love and, and, if you come from love, I don't think you're coming from fear of dying. You, that's like such a detached thing. So,
1: where do you think the coming from fear came from?
0: Not being, not feeling good enough. Um,
1: where do you think that came from?
0: Yeah, I know, right? This is, I, you're good. I like this. I don't know. I always do this to other people. No one ever does this to me. So thank you, okay. except for like my healers. It's never recorded. Where did, um, where did my lack of worthiness and so I made this correlation at ayahuasca. Yeah. So when I was born, I had a really traumatic birth and my mom almost died. She had like 105 fever, staph infection. And so they yanked me out of her and put me in an incubator and I was in quarantine for three days. No one touched me. I wasn't breastfed. I didn't see my mom like all by myself and she was like fully dying. And so she was hopped up on every drug and antibiotic possible. And so after three days, I was able to be with her But she couldn't breastfeed me. They tried to force her to breastfeed me while she was on morphine. And she said, absolutely not. I will not breastfeed my baby with morphine in my body. She at least had that wherewithal. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, she's protecting me as a mother and as like a smart person. And they keep trying to force it. And so what happened for me um, when I was with the medicine is that I felt like I had never been held or loved as a baby. And it was like, I felt it as that first part of my life. And so I was rocking myself a lot during the whole weekend and trying to kind of hold myself and, and coddle myself and take care of myself. And so I kept going back to those first few days of my life. Now I knew a little bit of this story about my mom almost dying. I didn't know that she couldn't hold me and that I wasn't breastfed for weeks. So I called her on the way home and I asked her, what exactly had happened. And she told me, and it was like this huge forgiveness of her because I think in my life, I have felt like she didn't want me and energetically that experience taught me that. And so I felt like I wasn't worthy and I wasn't loved and I had to prove myself and I never wanted to disappoint my parents. It's like my biggest fear in life. And so everything I did goes back to those first few days.
1: It seemed like, it, like, stood out for me when you said, like, you were being held by her. Yeah. Um, that feels to me like something, like, I know even, I know within myself, there's, like, an insecurity there of, like, not being autonomous and not being able to, like, take care of my own mm-hmm. and stand on my own two feet, you know, and I think that within that, in my own experience, I think that there's, like, just so much, like, weight that we can carry Cause we'd never had that opportunity to like completely let all of our guards down and just feel completely supported and completely held mm-hmm. and completely vulnerable. Like you're like, you know, like a baby. Yeah. We're all just a bunch of big babies.
0: Literally. <laughs> well, I talk about that all the time. I and mean, like people do this the inner child work and talk about it and it can sound so like woo woo and silly, but uh. I think it is, there's so much validity to it and it's something I'm working through now. It's like, Everything I do with the podcast and in my life and my community is trying to help women specifically understand that they are held and they are seen and they are loved and taken care of because whether it's the experience I had or being molested as a child or abandonment or whatever it looks like, those are the themes that pop up for so many of us. And it's How can you now as an adult reparent yourself and hold yourself the way you need to? If you need to rock yourself, if you need to say affirmations to yourself, whatever that looks like, so that you can rewrite that script.
1: Mm. So what do you attribute the, can you do, I know that you've already said this a bajillion times, but can you, the, a big part of, of your story is Mm -hmm. like the the sicknesses that manifest and all that. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of describe a little bit of what that is?
0: Yeah. So, um, I don't have this now, but the last couple of years I came to the understanding that I have had Epstein Barr and chronic fatigue and um, MTHFR and um, SIBO and leaky gut and all of these issues. But for 13 years prior to that, I was living with a diagnosis of fibromyalgia. And so I was an elite athlete, played volleyball at USC, prime of my life, and at 19, from going from being in incredible shape to the next day couldn't feel my left leg totally numb dead couldn't stand up straight extreme pain head to toe couldn't see depressed fatigue like it was like that and so i went through so many tests they couldn't figure out what was wrong they thought i had a bunch of different things and finally i saw a rheumatologist and he was like yeah you have fibromyalgia you're never going to play volleyball again And at the time I'm young and my parents don't know anything other than Western medicine and to trust doctors at the time. So we were like, okay, I guess, you know, I'm going to retire from my sport and move on with my life and basically want to die every day is how much pain I was in. So for two years I was on all these drugs and, you know, muscle relaxers, painkillers, antidepressants, um, nerve blockers. And I started hallucinating and I started spiraling and I was drinking and partying cause I was trying to numb out and also try and be a normal student. It was, you yeah. know, it was like, what, what, what am I doing? And then after two years I had graduated, I was about 21 and I, I had started working for ESPN doing volleyball and I was like, this can't be my life. Like I'm hallucinating. I'm seeing men in my apartment at night that I definitely know are not here. Whoa. And it was so scary. What do they look like? <laughs> There are not people I wanted in my apartment. What would they look like? <laughs> I, don't rem- <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember. I just remember seeing like men walking around. No way. Yeah. It was really scary. That's when I was like, what were
1: their intentions? It's they were just cr- they were like. Were just kind of there. It wasn't, I it was wasn't chilling.
0: Yeah. I wasn't having um, like experiences where I thought they were trying to attack me or do anything. It was just like, I saw them in my room and I was like, this is so bizarre. What did
1: you attribute it to at the time? you're just like, oh, I'm seeing spirits.
0: I knew it was the drugs. I just knew that it was causing a reaction. Wow. I knew that I probably shouldn't have been having nine different drugs at a time and drinking alcohol and being, you know, having chronic illness. Dang. Yeah. So cold turkey one day, I cut everything out. I was like, screw this. And, um, then I started finding like the holistic route and using food as medicine. And how can I heal in a holistic way and actually take care of myself and stop going to doctors. So I really did stop going to doctors for about 10 years. And I would see different practitioners and people that were outside the box and more woo woo and um, learned about the autoimmune protocol. And that really helped in finding paleo that was an elimination diet that took a lot of the triggers out. And so as I started doing those things, I started feeling better. But I kept having dips where i would feel like i got hit by a truck and i'd be down for the count for months and i could barely work and it wasn't until um december november december of 2017 when it was like the worst i was down for five months i was on disability from work and at the time had you know a very big girl job doing the lakers and the dodgers here in la for spectrum and i couldn't go to work and i was sleeping 16 hours a day my whole body hurt it was horrific And I started making that connection between the mind and the body and how much my anxiety and my stress was impacting me and toxic environments and people in my life and relationships and how that was like a trigger. Every time I would be down, it would be because something had happened in my life and my body would shut down in protection Mm -hmm. and do that whole time to go inward. Let's look at what's happening to you. Start taking care of yourself. Stop doing things for other people. And so that's when I ended up quitting my job after that and moving on to create this. But it was during that the last 18 months is when I found a functional medicine doctor and realized that all of those diagnoses and the fibromyalgia was never accurate, but no one had ever done the blood tests. Or the stool test or the breath test to figure out that I had any of this going on. And so no one ever asked, what are you eating? Oh, well, don't have that because, you know, don't have nightshades because that'll cause inflammation, which then makes it so that you can't see straight. It was always like, you have this thing, there's no cure, here's a drug. And so using functional medicine and Ayurveda is what really changed my life and, and getting to the root cause of things. And that's why I say today, I don't have Epstein-Barr. I'm not sick anymore. I'm still a little more tired than I would like to be. So I'm still working through that. But other than that, I feel really good. What do
1: you attribute the tiredness?
0: I don't sleep really well. I don't get into a good REM cycle. You've been to peak brain, right? Yeah. I know I think yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, I saw Dr. Hill and, and he's like, you're not getting into a REM cycle at all. Um, so I think not having deep sleep, and because you know monkey brain and my mind is constantly going, and
1: what do you think it's going about i I promised to not drill the whole time, but what no, are... I love this. Oh, are you good. kidding? All this right. is so fun oh good
0: um, this is like my favorite way to talk to people Oh perfect. <laughs> um i as you know, creating a company and a brand and managing people and doing is a lot of work. And so I am such a go-getter and driven and a perfectionist that I want things to look a certain way. So I'm constantly thinking of all the things that I can control and do. Hmm. Um, and I also think that I'm in this very intense personal development space for myself right now. I'm The amount of growth that I am going through is so next level, I never thought that I could do that. And so I think working through that, um, my mind's just constantly going and, um, you know, just trying to curate my life in a different way. And so I never stop thinking and it's something that I'm working on. I start the days a lot better than I end the days. Um, mm-hmm. because I think I'm a little more conscious when I start my day than when I'm ending. Why it. Why
1: do you think the end of the day is when like the monkey mind comes in?
0: Cause I've spent a whole day thinking about things, talking to people. I get exhausted, and it just kind of hits me. And I think being alone in your place and not yeah. having someone else to talk to necessarily, you're left to your own devices. And my mom has always joked, but it's so accurate. She's like, Kelly, with idle time is the worst thing ever. Keeping me busy is so important because I just...
1: Do you ever try meditation?
0: Yeah, I'm really bad at it. <laughs> Good. But I do it. <laughs> but I do like headspace. Like I'm so... I'm such a virgin meditator. And I know that I have to implement that more in my life. That's like the next thing I'm doing.
1: Yeah. What was it like going through? So you like shut down for like five months Mm -hmm. from like social media and all the things. You kind of just like, what were you doing during that time?
0: Sleeping and on my couch. I didn't go in public. The only person I saw was my boyfriend at the time. Yeah.
1: How did that affect your like self-worth and all that?
0: Thank you for asking that. Um, I had a really profound realization during that time, specifically with Bruce, because he would go to work every day and come home and I would not have moved. I would not have showered. I probably wouldn't have eaten. I had lost like 15 pounds during this time because I was so stressed and, and just freaked out. And, um, he became my everything. So when he got home, was like, tell me I'm pretty. Tell me I'm amazing. Tell me about your day. Let's talk about all the things. It's like shit that I never relied on him for really, because I felt more confident myself. But I also, when you're on social media and you're on TV, people are constantly commenting about you and saying things and praising you. And so I realized that for this whole time of my life, I had really been living for likes and so attached to social media. And without it, it was that question again of, well, who am I without all these things? And I didn't feel worthy or valuable or important. Important was a really big one that was coming up for me because Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't on TV and people weren't seeing me every day. So it was like, well, whatever. And I just didn't feel like I had anything to offer the world anymore. So that was a really scary place. But because I was able to experience that and go there, I was able to rework what my life looked like when I came back. Because when I came back to social media, I had already quit my job. I had. Um, gotten rid of most of the things on my social media and I was able to start fresh in a way and step into the world with more confidence. And back to the owning your voice thing, I had created a place where I could own my voice and have my voice. And I respected myself so much more because I had stepped out of something that wasn't good for me. Mm.
1: So I think a lot of people are likely listening to this, perhaps doing something that doesn't like doesn't feel like their like sole purpose you know Mm -hmm. and so making a transition out of the thing that maybe doesn't feed like your your deeper kind of like fire Mm -hmm. um into something that it is you're more passionate about i think that's like probably one of the scariest things a person can do um how does one navigate that
0: yeah, it's hard. And I think it's different for everyone. And and the thing I always get is, well, what about financially? That's always a question. If you don't have like this huge nest egg that you've saved. And I'll use um the almost thirty girls, Krista and Lindsay as an example for this, because I think they've done it beautifully, is they kept working their regular jobs and, you know, Krista and Corporate America and Lindsay doing cycle and different things. And then when they got to a point where they felt like they could leave, then they stepped away. If you really want to do something else start out planning what that looks like. I, I brainstormed the show for over a year. I already had my full guest list with you on it, um, of over 200 people before I even had the means to start the show or even had the time to do it. I was so invested in what it was going to look like, what the conversations were going to be like. And so when the opportunity presented itself, where I was going to have the time to do it, I had a whole plan. I already had sent emails out and asking people to be on the show before I even had equipment. Like, if you really want to do something, I think you have to do all of the um, preparation behind the scenes and really invest yourself in what you want that vision to look like so that when you do get to the point where you have the chance to do it, it's not as overwhelming because you have a foundation for what that looks like. And if financial means is a, is a thing for you, it gets to be your side hustle. Until you're in a place where you can move into that space full time.
1: So you're done full time. Were you working with ESPN?
0: I was with Spectrum.
1: And you're yeah. done? Lakers and, and Dodgers. So what were you doing exactly?
0: I was a host for the pre and post game shows and then sideline reporter. Did you love that? No. No. Oh,
1: <laughs> it
0: sounds so. It seems so fun. Which is that's why this conversation is so funny because, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't love it. I loved the the people um, and the interactions that I had, and when I got to have really great conversations like this. But what happened is that these conversations were never on camera. It was always me walking into the clubhouse and talking to the guys without a mic in my hand, just connecting as humans. I really loved that. And when you spend enough time with these guys, you get close because you know, it's just the nature of the business. And I love that because they would tell me things about, you know, one of them was trying to be a vegan because he thought it was going to help his performance. And he was asking me questions about it because he knew I was really into food and health. And another guy was telling me about a divorce he was going through and how hard that was. And another one was struggling because he had had a bad night and the media was crushing him. And we had this great heart to heart. Like, those are such beautiful things. But In the role I had in in sports in general, there's no space for that, and it's not respected, and people want to know the stats, and they want to see quick videos and highlights, and that's not what I'm about. I've never cared about stats. Even when I was a player, it was you know, as a captain and a leader, is my team winning or losing? And how can I affect that? And how can I carry more for them? And so in my job in television, it was the same thing. If I'm not having these deep connections and interactions, then what am I doing? It's kind of a waste of my time.
1: So how do you start putting yourself back together and like building yourself up from laying on the couch Mm -hmm. for, for, you say five months
0: yeah for five months so the first thing for me was really getting the food dialed in and making sure that I had gotten rid of all the inflammatory foods so not having nightshades and any alcohol any caffeine coffee specifically is really inflammatory and and hot for people that are pitta we're not supposed to have coffee and um and so dialing that in, that lifts a lot of my pain and my brain fog. And so then I'm able to think straight. Because if you if you don't address that and you're not thinking straight, you're never going to be able to deal with anything else in your life, let alone like deep emotional pain or anything else. And so once I got to that point, I was able to start addressing the issues in my life of my environment and the people and what I was doing and how it wasn't like really fulfilling my life's purpose. So as I started thinking about that, I thought, okay, if I could do anything, what would it be? And it always kept coming back to having these, deep, thoughtful conversations with people that I was really interested in. And I initially thought it would start with athletes and coaches and people in the sports world. And then I realized, no, I want it to be with people that I feel really inspired in my life by right now. And for the most part, that wasn't men. I had spent so much of my time with men being in sports that I was so, I was just dying to be with women. And so many women had been impacting me um, with their books and their podcasts and just, in relationships with them in my community. And I wanted to ask them these questions. I didn't want to ask guys anymore. It was just such a shift. And I wanted to surround myself in that really beautiful, supportive, feminine energy. I had had a lot of issues with girls and women during my childhood and career and bullying. And so I felt like I was coming full circle or where I felt confident enough in who I was and what I had to offer that I could now surround myself with other women. And so it just, it sort of came together in that way. And I think day by day and piece by piece, i i healed different things that had gone on and and limiting beliefs and and um you know beating myself up for things that i didn't need to and creating this place that was safe for me to grow and share my resources and things with other people so that they could do the same and and just kind of help each other collectively
1: yeah Uh, with having any type of like Is Epstein-Barr an autoimmune disease?
0: Yeah. So it's the virus that comes... What is it exactly? It's the virus that you get with mononucleosis. Okay. And so I had had mono for eight months my freshman year at SC, which means I've had Epstein-Barr since that time. And it it activates and and deactivates in your body depending on stress and triggers and traumas. And um, so, yeah, it is considered autoimmune disease.
1: And so... and does it go away i thought it was something that once you have it, you have forever so n-
0: they say about 90 to 90 for 95 po- of the population has epstein-barr but you can live with it for your whole life and it doesn't activate right um so no it, it doesn't leave your body and if you take blood tests the antibodies always show but it's just the varying levels of where it's at how does one contract such a thing in the first place from mono. So how does one contract mono? Like it's the kissing disease, right? So like stop making out with people in college and you won't get mono. No, it's like, it's really highly contagious. I think you could probably get it from like sharing, sharing a drink or, you know, it's just sharing germs with people that have it.
1: All right. I wonder the connection of like the emotional stuff, how that relates to actually making us tangibly feel sick. Mm -hmm. You know, and especially with like autoimmune disease, I Mm -hmm. think sometimes I've heard, I'm a 0% expert on this, this conversation, but I've heard kind of whispers of like self hate or lack of self acceptance, potentially kind of starting to, you know, brainwash our immune system in a sense and Mm -hmm. kind of like turning ourselves against ourselves because we've been against ourselves for the last X amount of time. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden we literally start attacking.
0: Yeah. Is that it's crazy? completely accurate. Oh, good. You're such an expert. I'm Woo! so proud of you. Good job. I did it. High five to you. <laughs> no, it's true. And the more research I do, it's not even just that in autoimmune disease. I'm doing this course right now. And one of the things I said in it is um, there is a ton of research out now about women who get breast cancer and that their character trait is to always take care of other people in this mothering role. Yeah, and they end up getting breast cancer because what breast cancer does is it brings you back into your heart space and it turns you inward to take care of you because if you have breast cancer and you're getting chemo, what are you doing? You're taking care of yourself. You can't function without doing that. Otherwise you would probably die. So it's this um, it's this really roundabout kind of convoluted way to get us to come back to ourselves and it's our body attacking us, but to remind us of what we have to do. And um, I talk about this all the time is that mind-body connection of your body shutting down in order to serve you better and, and show you something that you're missing. And for me, it was I think at the time that I wasn't living authentic to who I was. And huh. I can correlate back every time over the last 13 years that my body has shut down in a significant way for more than just a couple of days. It's always that I'm not being me, not living authentically. I'm, I can't hear my own voice cause I'm, you know, obsessed with calling my mom 20 times a day, asking her what I should do rather than just trusting me and knowing that I have the answers. And so every time I'm reaching out and not, looking to myself and knowing that I am my own healer and I am my own guide, then that's when my body shuts down. I was like, fuck you. We're not doing this anymore.
1: Do you know radical honesty? Mm -mm. That that book, Brad Blanton, maybe I don't know his last name is Brad radical honesty. Um, really good book. I haven't finished it. I've gotten about halfway through. I like it a lot. The, the half that I've read, I want to be radically honest with how much of (laughs) radical honesty I've read. Uh, really good. Uh, but within that, he kind of refers to these like dishonesties that we have in ourselves, as I mentioned in the, on the last episode, we did with, like the parasitic tension, Moshe in mm-hmm. Christ stuff, stuff like we have tension in our bodies that literally draws on our life force. You, know, you can call it calories if you want to be, you know, stick to like Western science, but I think like emotional, emotional energy as well and having any form of dishonesty in your life is like a weight that you literally need to hold and support and feed Mm -hmm. and carry, you know, and I I just think it's, it's, it's just interesting if you can start to go through and, and, and look and explore and see, like shine a light on any of those parts that even if it seems small, like where are you being dishonest with yourself? You know, are you still feeding that lie? Mm -hmm. Like, do you feel like does that does that seem, no it's good sense,
0: well and, and I like that because um that's how I felt every time I would go to work so I felt like I was living a double life I truly felt like I was two people I would go to work I would put on the makeup I would totally look the part of the chick on tv and I no one would ever know I was suffering or what I was going through and then I would come home and I'd have to sleep for three days I'd be in pain I'd be crying because I'm a really sensitive person to energy um And I am such an introvert. And so being in a ballpark with 50,000 people day after day for 11 hours a day, having to live with that energy, it was crushing my soul and my body. And Mm. I could never portray that to the people I was with or in public. So I would come home and become a hermit and it was so painful for me and it was exhausting trying to be someone that I wasn't. I am a happy, pleasant person. Like I I'm good on camera and doing the thing and I like to entertain, but at that level, talking about those things with those people, it was just not for me, but I just kept doing it because everyone told me how good I was at it. And I just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger jobs. And it's, it gets to a point where you're like, how do I say no to this? Because it seems so great.
1: Do you feel like there's anything in the last recent that you've kind of encountered that you've been dishonest with yourself about that you've been able to shed or let go?
0: Yeah. I think the relationship that I'm, I'm moving out of, um, or have moved out of over the last few months, I kept, I kept thinking that we could fix it and make it better and that it, it was salvageable. And no matter what we had gone through together, like it didn't matter. And I convinced myself every day that I could handle it. I could be the one to fix it. And it, it wasn't meant to be fixed. Like it had run its right. course and it was beautiful in a lot of ways, but it wasn't right anymore. And um, I spent so many months trying to convince myself of that. And finally, when when I when we let go together, it was the most beautiful experience I've ever had in my life with someone where you don't have to step out of a relationship angry at somebody or you know, holding something against them, we sat there in gratitude with each other and said how grateful we were and how much we loved each other. And, you know, that it was time to let go and not live out of fear. And so it's just a reminder to me that when you do shed those kinds of things, really great things can come out of it. I I have an amazing life now and, and we're both able to go on with our own lives and, and be happy. And that's what you get when you step into that.
1: Yeah. So what's your description of fibromyalgia? Because a lot of people are, are, it's like, for a lot of people, it's like, oh, it's like a...
0: The mystery like a illness. Psychosomatic, yeah. Like, yeah. What are you,
1: what are you, what's your perspective on...
0: I mean, I think it is psychosomatic. I think um, there's a lot of legitimacy to that. I Here's my problem with fibromyalgia is it's just such a widely given diagnosis because the doctors that are giving the diagnosis don't know things. Western doctors and in, in conventional medicine in general, they learn from books that are over 30 years old. Yep. So they're coming in and... They don't know what new research is coming out. They don't know that Epstein-Barr is actually one of the biggest triggers for autoimmune disease and chronic fatigue syndrome, and that you need to get a stool sample so you can see what's happening in your gut, see if there's leaky gut or SIBO, which is taking all the energy from your body and putting it in your digestive system. And so then why the hell would you have energy to do anything else? And, um... So they give this umbrella term anytime someone is tired or in pain or experiencing depression, specifically in women that are 40 and 50 and up because they they see these trends. And what's actually happening is that your body is shutting down for whatever the reason, whether it's emotional or you're now having food triggers or the combination. And they don't know how to test for it. So really, I I tell people anytime they are given a diagnosis of fibromyalgia that they need to go find another doctor and get specific tests done so that they can actually see what's causing it. Because I can almost guarantee you, you probably don't have fibromyalgia. It might be a part of what you're dealing with. Hmm. Pain, fatigue, nerve issues. But all of my stuff was correlated back to other things.
1: And the intestinal stuff related back to the pain?
0: Yes. The gut the gut causing the pain because of the permeability. So for people that don't necessarily know what that is, if you have what's called permeability or leaky gut, and so think of holes in your gut. And so food's able to leak out into your bloodstream, it causes inflammation. And so you have to heal that lining so that you can heal the rest of your body. Otherwise you have this low level chronic inflammation. And I explain it as your body, basically your immune system is on fire all the time Mm -hmm. and you're constantly lighting the fire with more gas of, um, alcohol, caffeine, nightshade vegetables, um, nuts and seeds and eggs, things that are really infla- inflammatory for people like us. Um, so once you take that out, you heal that permeability, then you can reintroduce those foods and you're fine because there's no holes for it to leak through.
1: Right. Yeah, I always wonder that, like I did a, I did a, a I think I used Cyrex labs. Yes. To do it. Have great. You ever used That's
0: what my doctor uses.
1: I was so disappointed because I'm not allergic to anything. I got oh, my thing back well, there like you're, you nothing you're good i'm like what
0: so here's nothing? what i would say about food sensitivity <laughs> tests like though i think that's the best one on the market yeah. but they're very hit or miss and it depends on when the last time was you had the food so if you haven't had eggs in seven months and you take the test it's going to show you differently than if you took the test and you had eggs two days ago
1: well i heard if you do a if you eat a lot like if you had a lot of nuts then you would end up creating some of like the inflammatory markers around that thing Mm because it's like well you eat too much nuts yeah and you'll get that and be like you're allergic to nuts
0: yeah and you can also create food intolerances so like people have it do you understand that what do you mean
1: creating becoming allergic to something by eating too much of it
0: i think it's weird i don't know that i understand (laughs) it i'm (laughs) not a scientist (laughs) i just read stuff yeah i just read stuff yeah um yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure how that happens, like <gasps> within gotta, the body. We
1: got to get a scientist on here figure yeah. out what the hell that is. I know, but
0: yeah, <laughs> that's why a lot of people with chronic illness actually have um, egg allergies and nuts and seeds because we eat a lot of those things and they right. are inflammatory, so we end up being allergic to them.
1: So were you able to get? So what's the process for? How many people are? suffering from leaky gut and don't realize it not like an exact number but is that that's a fairly common thing i think
0: yeah i mean there's over 50 million americans with chronic illness and every one of those has leaky gut and most of those people don't know they have chronic illness and there's way more than that that definitely don't know they have chronic illness because you can have um pcos and endometriosis and chronic headaches or chronic fatigue and never correlate it back to being a chronic illness. You think we're raised in a society that tells us it's fine. It's normal to get headaches, take a pill and it'll go away. No one ever says that there's reasoning behind it. And, um, so I think what's important is to understand there's always like a core trigger or a cause for it. It's, you just don't randomly get something. It all, there's always a reason.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So what's the process with, with restoring gut function?
0: Um, what I have used and it's worked really well for me and so many people I know is a combination of the autoimmune protocol and Ayurveda, um, and functional medicine. And so what that does is address it and attack it from every angle. And what
1: is is the autoimmune protocol? So, yeah, I'll tell you. So I
0: was mentioning the nightshades, the nuts, the seeds, the coffee, the alcohol. Those are all things on the autoimmune protocol. And the protocol is a paleo based protocol. I don't really recommend it for people that are vegan because it is highly restrictive and you end up not getting enough protein because vegans rely on lentils and legumes, you know, beans, um, grains. Those are all things you can't have on the autoimmune protocol. So it's tough for them. But if you do eat meat, What this does is it takes all the inflammatory foods out of your diet and it's an elimination process that you wanna do for at least 30 days. I recommend about 90 days if you've been extremely ill for a long time, which is where I was. And it actually took me a lot longer than that, but I didn't know what I know now, so it's different. Um, But you take all these things out and then you slowly reintroduce one food in back at a time. So you take about a week per food to introduce it back. And that way you can test to see how you feel. It gives you that uh, internal compass of, okay, I had a piece of an egg and 15 minutes later I had brain fog or I got tired. And then you don't try that again because you know that you're not ready for that. But a week later you try almond butter. You feel fine. You eat it again 15 minutes later. You feel fine. Then you have like a tablespoon of it that night and you feel fine. You're ready to introduce almond butter back into your diet. What
1: if you're like me and you smash a whole jar of almond butter? I'm and then not you feel surprised. Little, you feel a little foggy afterwards.
0: Moderation <laughs> is butter, key, butter. Aaron.
1: All right. I think I've allergic to almond butter. Yeah, right? <laughs> God, I know.
0: Um, so that's, that's kind of that. But what I saw was missing in the autoimmune protocol, and I didn't realize until I was introduced to Ayurveda, is that There's not enough of a mind-body connection within autoimmune protocol. It's very scientific, which I love about it, but it doesn't introduce all these other facets that I really feel are the triggers for even getting disease and inflammation to begin with. And so I've incorporated a lot of things I've learned in Ayurveda, and I know you had Sahara on the show. Mm -hmm. um, And so she's much more of an expert um, than I am, but in my own experience, Simple things like drinking room temperature or warm water completely transform your digestion. Mm. But we don't talk about that in the paleo community. Um, you know, Topo Chico is the thing in the paleo community. Mm. So it's
1: love, like, love I love
0: me some Topo Chico. <laughs> don't get me wrong. So nice. But to have it all the time or to have it specifically right before a meal, right. you're, you're like freezing up your system. And then you're putting food in there and you're wondering why you can't break it down. Well, you just like froze the steak that you ate inside your stomach. Like it doesn't work well. You want to give it space to digest and um taking time to be quiet and you know, I preach meditation and I'm terrible at it. But things like meditation and journaling and self-care and taking baths and not pushing yourself really hard at the gym. That's one thing I get messages about this all the time because apparently I look like a badass at the gym. So I'm good at pretending <laughs> But people are like, but you're, you've been so sick and how come you can push it so hard? And I'm like, what you didn't see was the five months that I just laid in bed and didn't work out at all. Or the two years where my doctor said, you can't work out until you feel better. You're only allowed to walk. And all I did was walk. My body couldn't handle any more than that. If you're trying to heal, especially from chronic illness, pushing yourself at the gym is not healthy. It doesn't help you. You're, You're taking energy away and depleting yourself that you need to heal your body. So adding in things like that and then the functional medicine aspect of things. So supplements like curcumin and um, adding collagen and bone broth. Those things are so huge, especially with my functional medicine doctor and things he recommends. And so you're really hitting it at every angle, doing all the testing to get to the core and then using the elimination diet to dictate what you're eating. Mm.
1: So combination of three. So what how do the lifestyle aspects of Ayurveda assist in that compared to the nutritional parts you mentioned meditation
0: yeah meditation huge yoga is a big part of ayurveda i'm not like a big yoga person but the concept of slowing down i think is what yoga offers us and that's the original
1: intention of it yeah like it's like asana is only one of the eight limbs and the original intention of the asanas was just to assist yogis in meditation yeah it's like while we're sitting on our butts all day we should probably like wiggle our hips a little bit
0: Mm mm-hmm Yeah. And so for someone like me who is very intense and like doesn't stop from the moment she wakes up, I need to slow down in order to feel my best for my body to heal, for my mind to calm down, for my immune system to not be on fire all the time and to be able to digest my food properly. You know, you shouldn't be running around eating food. You should like sit down and have your meal and chew slowly and like have the experience. And so those are, those are things within Ayurveda and Ayurveda does such a beautiful job with the massages and the oils and using herbs. And I love my Dr. Marta at Surya Spa here in LA. She's so brilliant in her concoctions that she makes with herbs, the, um, the different steams she does, like the yoni steams and just Yoni steam. Yeah. Continue. Aren't you jealous you don't have a vagina? <laughs> if
1: only I had a yoni. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never experience a yoni steam. Um <laughs> it's pretty magical. How does one steam their yoni?
0: Uh, it's great. So <laughs> so she <laughs> makes on
1: my clip for the podcast. Yeah,
0: exactly. She <laughs> makes um she makes a steam depending on what's happening. So I used to get chronic yeast infections because I had an IUD and when I got the IUD and then I eventually got it out, that's a whole other conversation. I, um, I started getting chronic infections because the IUD is built for your body to create a low line inflammation. That's what keeps you from getting pregnant. And so of course it's gonna create inflammation in other places and you're gonna get um, bacteria and inflammation and so you'll get yeast infections and overgrowth. And so many women are living with this and it's a mm. horrible issue and no one talks about it. And so Marta addresses this a lot. And so you you do this steam. You she makes an herbal douche, um, and so you can do that. And then she'll make this steam, and it's it has all these different herbs depending on what your your body is dealing with. And then you just you literally sit like on the steam pot, like a tiny toilet, you know, like a little baby training toilet, mm. and you just sit there. And you wrap a sheet around you so it keeps all the steam and the herbs inside and you're just wow. there for like 20 minutes and it steams like all the way up in there and, and it cleans it out. I haven't had yeast infections since. Huh. Like It's crazy. Huh. I didn't take all the stupid antibiotics and the pills and that shit doesn't work. And it'll just keep coming back.
1: Is that something that women not dealing with that? How does, what's Yoni Care look like?
0: your face (laughs) while you just (laughs) asked that was the most epic is there
1: things that women should be doing or not be doing in these from from your experience of this i know that this is like probably a little bit
0: i've never answered this question but i'm pretty excited about it so um how to take care of your vagina with kelly tennant yeah um Well, first of all, stop using toxic tampons. (laughs) I cannot say this enough. Putting toxic things in your vagina is just asking for problems. So what so many people don't realize is that there are things like chlorine and bleach and um, perfumes and scents that they put on tampons that we then put inside of our body and your vagina is actually the most absorbent part of your body. And so if you're putting anything toxic in there, it's immediately going into your bloodstream. It doesn't even have a skin barrier to have to work through and it's highly toxic. And if you think about it, like this sounds gross and is graphic, but it's, you know, it's a moist area in your body and you're constantly putting things in there and then you're trapping it in there. And that's why bacteria grows and tampons in general have been very dangerous for a long time because The point is for the blood to come out of you, not for you to stop the blood when it is in your body and then pull it out with all this bacteria that you've now created with a foreign object and old dried blood. Like, I know that's so gross, but... If you really think about it in that way, you'll never look at a tampon again the same. And it's important. men too. Yeah, well, and that's the other thing. I was going to say men need to know these things because there's so many dads out there that are buying their daughters tampons and having to teach them about these things. And my goal is to equip men and dads to feel comfortable sharing this stuff with their daughters because how else are they going to learn and you get to be that support system for them. So that's my tampon tangent. But IUDs are the same thing. The chronic inflammation that they create Um, and the systemic inflammation Um, and then any other products that you're using you want to make sure that they're non-toxic even down to the lube you're using condoms you're using knowing if you have a latex allergy is really important because that causes inflammation and causes you to break out Um, and then if you have issues not not using products like women use douches a lot or these vaginal wipes looking at what's on them. Douching is great, but you have to do it with herbs and make sure that it's more of a holistic practice. I've never personally made them myself. I always have more to do them because I have access to that. But finding out what would be beneficial for your body that's non-toxic and herbal, I think is really important. Um, If you do break out in yeast infections, you can put a clove of garlic up there that actually really helps. You leave mm. the garlic inside of you for about a day and then you take it out at the end of the day and it it kills the bacteria and any of the odor.
1: Do you need to like crush it up first So that like act- <laughs> I believe that activates. <laughs> no, I'm serious. There's you need heat to activate. I think it's allicin. Then when you heat it it becomes allicinase and it's becomes absorbable through your body.
0: That I don't know. Oh, All right. I don't crush up my garlic.
1: <laughs> prior to you don't crush up your garlic before. yoni insertion. No. All right, moving right, right no. along then. Yep.
0: <laughs> wow, I've never said any of this out loud. That was really interesting.
1: That's, I just want to understand. No, I think it's awesome. I'm, I'm glad to, you asked. I'm here to learn. There you go. Good boy. <laughs> yeah. So, how do you slow down? Oh. Do you feel breathing. and do you feel like guilt when you slow down? Because that's something that I that that I kind of like. I'm. I, I resonate with some of the things you're saying with that. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, I know slowing down is really valuable. And then within that, there's this kind of like deeper urge of like, you're not doing enough.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I battle with that. I have a lot of shame around not feeling like I'm doing enough and like not wanting to fail. um, Not wanting to disappoint people and my parents and all of that. I think I, I, I've been sick for long enough to realize that one of the biggest lessons for me is to slow down. And so I've gotten better at listening to my body and honoring that. And I have days where I don't feel well or I haven't slept well or something's happened. And I just listen to that and I sleep and I kind of just am home and I don't worry about being social. And if, if I need to tell my team, like, hey, guys, I'm taking the day, like, leave me alone. I've created a system where that's okay. And it's, it's about outsourcing when you can. And it's about realizing that you have to have somewhat of a balance. I don't believe balance itself exists. Like you're never going to have this amazing life balance and whatever, but I think you can always be working towards it. And knowing that if you're for, for instance, for me, I usually never take trips that are over seven days long because I know that if I'm on the road for that long, I am going to be just a total piece of shit when i get back and not able to function. So now i'm like, all right, 6-7 days, that is my max. I know i come home, i unpack immediately, i get my stuff in order, like i really want to feel comfortable in my space and get back into my routine and make sure i have healthy food in the fridge and just really, you know, honoring myself and taking care of myself is is i think the biggest thing. And learning how to ask yourself what you need when you wake in the mo- up in the morning. Ask yourself, what do I need today? What does my body feel? What do I need? You might need some water. You might need a nap later in the day. You might not need to be with people that much. Like, you might want to recharge alone. Just doing those things, I think you inevitably will slow down because of it because you're just taking a step back and saying, what's going on?
1: Yeah, I think that's the value of psychedelics is that it, mm-hmm. it's like a forced, um, kind of like pattern interrupt. You know, it's like they, like they call it a trip. You know, and I, I think that you, I was watching the... Um, one strange rock. Have you seen it? Oh, that? I haven't seen it yet. I'm obsessed with it. It's the best okay. ever. Will I Smith narrates it, right? Will Smith narrates yeah. it. it's tremendous. It's so, so it's just so good. Um, but anyway, so I was watching it last night, and it's uh oh, I don't, I, I had a, th- I had a thought with that that I was all excited about. Oh yeah, the pattern interrupt. Um, I was like, they're they're going with astronauts, and the astronauts are like describing their experience in space and all that, you know. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, that's a trip. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, you get on the rocket ship, you go up and you look down at earth and you're like, oh wow, <laughs> Gaia, you know, yeah. it's, it's one interacting, breathing organism that I just happen to be a little cell, you know, occupy my my life, yeah. you know, thinking that it's all about me. But in reality, I'm just swirling up in this stew. Mm-hmm. They had one super interesting analogy where they were like up on, this is the second episode, you want to check it out. Um, but they're like up on this, this boat and then they're out, and there's like a fishing boat. There's like water splashing and clanking around and these water drops are coming up and they, they like, f- they freeze it and they just have the water drop. And then they have the narrator in the background, like within the water drop, there is microscopic bacteria that believes that, you know, the whole world is about them. And it's like, they don't even realize that there's this storm happening around them. Yeah. They're just inside this little water drop and that's mm. just the world. Meanwhile, you know, you blow that up out. It's like we're like in the middle of this huge explosion that is, you know, the universe and is everything. Mm-hmm. There's volcanoes and shit. And, like we're a part of the Big Bang or whatever. Maybe not, you know. But we're just like this little little node, a part of this grander thing. Mm-hmm. And we bec- and we like start to believe that that we're it, you know. But I think beyond that, I think something like a trip kind of gives you that vantage point for a second but it could be like a, sh- a rocket ship to the moon it could be going to hang out with some other culture in some other place in the world mm-hmm. i just think that we need to have that pattern interrupt of some sort in the mm-hmm. form of i think in the form of a trip
0: well, i think it's <laughs> also the experience i had was you know you're, you're on this trip with a bunch of other people and everyone's having their own experience in it depending on where they need to go and what they need to see and what it showed me is that everyone is having such a crazy experience and sometimes it's really fucking dark and to honor that and other people to see that that kid who was abused or that young women woman who is dealing with some insecurity or that relationship issue or that death in the family to always remember that everyone is going through something significant whatever that is in their life and to just to to just honor them for recognizing it, or maybe they're not able to recognize it yet. And that's their path and just kind of holding space for them and just like showing them love rather than, you know, misunderstanding them or judging them. We're all doing it. We're mm. all going through it.
1: You heard that. I don't know who says the quote, but be kind for, for everyone's going through a great war. Yes.
0: Do you know who said that? Yeah, I don't, ah, but I love it. It was great. Uh huh. Yeah, everybody's it's freaking so out true. inside. Right. <laughs> everyone's just doing their best. <laughs> Like, when you really look at it that way,
1: <laughs> yeah. everyone's
0: doing their best. They're just
1: trying to hold their shit together. Yeah. Most, For the most part, I think the people that are seemingly holding their shit together, like, that's intentional usage of that language, like, they're holding their shit up. They're, I think, more often than not, oftentimes um, struggling the most. Mm-hmm. You know, the people that have the Mustang, like we kind of made fun of him, and You love the Mustang. I know you used to have a Mustang. <laughs> um, but, you know, but they have like all those superficial validators holding their kind of ego together. Now there's mm-hmm. anything wrong with the ego. I think oftentimes it's like there's like there's uh, their compensatory patterns kind of like blocking something, you know, that they're actually at a deeper level. Like there is maybe a little war going on there. Mm-hmm anyways. Yeah,
0: no, I agree. And that's how I felt. That's why I was saying the double life is like, I put on this show, everyone thought I was like, so together and, and had it all in this dream career in life. And in the background, I was struggling more than anyone would have ever known. And it's Mm -hmm. just, it's, it's knowing that, that just because someone looks a certain way, I I've never looked sick. So people always got really confused. I'm, I, you know, I have a very athletic physique. I always had muscle. I never lost that even in my most sick times. And so people would always look at me and be like, well, you look fine. What do you mean you're sick? I'm like, yeah, I want to die though. Like well, sometimes I wish I looked worse so that people would see it. Um, and so it's just knowing that just because someone looks a certain way or talks or acts a certain way doesn't mean that they're not going through something.
1: Did you really want to die?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, man.
1: Mm-hmm. Did you ever contemplate ending your life?
0: I never went that far, but I definitely didn't want to live a lot during my life. Hmm. Yeah.
1: What did that look like?
0: It started when I was 12. And I came home every day the first week of seventh grade. And I kept telling my mom, I don't want to live. I don't want to live. And um, I think at that time for me, I didn't fit in. And I was already really good at volleyball. I was 6'1", at a young age. I was smart. And I didn't have a lot of friends, let alone friends my age. And I just didn't feel like I related. and And so I just felt uncomfortable. And I felt like life was just too hard. I just, I was being bullied by girls and you know, you're taller than all the boys. And it's just like a whole thing at that age. It's a really hard time. Hmm. So then I, the next week they skipped me up to eighth grade and they felt like I wasn't being challenged and that I needed to be with older kids because I was mature. So I think that helped me work through a lot of that. Cause I actually, I did fit in more with the older kids. It's where I needed to be. But then as I've been sick and gone through things in my life, it has re-triggered that where I definitely have erred on the side of depress- depression and anxiety to the point where I just feel like it's too hard. Like I can't handle it anymore. And I'm like, yeah. am I meant to be here? Am I meant to be doing this life? Cause this is so hard and I'm in so much pain and it's so dark. I am in actual hell and I don't know that I'll ever get out of it.
1: Do you feel like the ayahuasca was, was helpful? In-
0: mm-hmm. I think that seeing, seeing the devil and seeing the darkness, um, I saw where I, where I had come from and where for the last year of advocating for myself getting out of toxicity and really p- stepping into the light out of that darkness, I saw how I have moved myself out of that. And where I know that even if I had a horrible day and like something horrific happens, I will survive it. I have the, the strength and the wherewithal to do that. And before I didn't really know my own strength or what I could do in those situations.
1: So how are you feeling present day compared to these conversations?
0: I feel amazing. Oh, good. Yeah. I, I just had like an incredible week. I felt so light. I was dancing every day. Um, I feel like I have been blown wide open emotionally and I'm so ready and available for what's coming to me in my career and my personal life. And it's really exciting to be in that place where I don't feel like I'm coming from fear. I feel like I'm truly stepping into love and, and having abundance and, and, success and you know just all of these things that I think I've been so scared of for so long and it's like nope not doing that anymore
1: was any standout parts we'll wrap up here in, in a minute but mm-hmm. any standout parts of of identifying and dropping fear
0: yeah I think this idea of disappointing people and not being good enough I started realizing that I had that concept in my mind from such a young age i I can remember being you know four or five years old and not wanting to disappoint my parents. I've never really disappointed anyone, so why am I holding on to this thing? <laughs> you know i i'm a I'm a good person, I do good things, you know I'm smart I, I'm caring all this stuff. If I have that, why am I so worried about this thing that has never actually happened? For me, I think it's been letting go of creating stories or experiences where they haven't even happened yet and understanding that I'll deal with them if, and when it happens and not living in something that's not there yet.
1: Cool. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Um, this was fun. Yeah. Where do people go? Well, I guess they could go listen to the other side of the conversation when they can't on your end. Yes. Um, but yeah. Where should people, where should we point people to?
0: So on Instagram, I'm at Kelly M tenant, like Michelle, and then they can go to, Kellytennet.com and yeah just come hang out cool thank you
1: lovely so thanks glad. so much for the, the the vulnerability thank you i really appreciate it <laughs> it was beautiful all right over and out. Thank you so much for tuning in that conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, we got a couple things to help support that body of yours, one of which is the Align band that people have been really loving, which I'm super grateful for. Um, it is a heavy-duty resistance band. comes along with a door anchor, traveling case, and then a online video guide on how to use that thing. It's my absolute go-to travel tool. I've got it hanging literally from my door right beside me now. Um, use it regularly. Use it with clients. Uh, it can be found at AlignPodcast.com slash gear uh, on Amazon, and you can also find it at Align Band on Instagram. Um, also, we finally did it. We created the Align Method online program, which focuses on unwinding the patterns of staring into technology, essentially. So mm-hmm. forward head posture, rolled forward shoulders, rolled forward spine, kind of like just that hunchy posture thing that um modern world is is stricken by uh gets into how to align your physical body so self-care joint by joint from ankle to knee to hip to spine to head to neck etc really good stuff also gets into lifestyle um, gets into morning routines nighttime routines how to effectively handstand how to move on the ground Um, People have been loving that. Thank you all for grabbing it, the ones that have. And if people have any questions about that, you can reach out at Align Podcast on Instagram. I'm happy to support. All right. Thank you, guys. Enjoy your day. Thanks for joining you. Thanks for telling your friends. Thanks for reviews on iTunes. That's it. Pow.